Hey man, it's me, Kevin Smith, and I can tell you that Zack Snyder's Justice League is now streaming on HBO Max. You want a podcast? I got a smartcast. You want a podcast? I got a smartcast. You want a podcast? I got a smartcast. You wanna, you wanna, you wanna, you wanna, you wanna. Do you want a podcast? Do you want a show? Do you get your laughs from computer radio with this bro, Scotty Mo? It's about time to lose your shit. Everybody's progress clips for that legend, Kevin Smith. Welcome to Smodcast. I'm Kevin Smith. So weird to do it down the barrel of the camera because I never really shoot this, but we're in rare breathing space uh, today, ladies and gentlemen, uh, a world where podcast giants can get together in one room, not via Zoom like the rest of the world doing it on fucking computers and shit like real human beings. We've gathered in the real world. One of us real scared because one of us had real COVID six weeks ago and shit. <laughs> but uh, I'm getting to sit down in uh, New Jersey in the cradle of civilization, Red Bank, um, with the gentleman of Tell Him Steve, Dave, ladies and gentlemen. So, of course, the crossover between the two audiences is massive. But for those who came in late and are like, who are these cats now? Let me introduce you to the gentleman of Tell Him Steve, Dave. To my left, Walter Flanagan, ladies and gentlemen. Say hi, Walt. Hello. To my right, Brian Johnson, ladies and gentlemen. Say hi, Brian. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Master mimic Brian Johnson, modern day rich little Brian Johnson. And uh, over next to him, of course, uh, is the, the the firefighter in the group, the only true hero. Give it up for Mr. Brian Quinn. Thank you. Hello. Hello, Boys, everyone. Hello. What episode is Te Tesdi up to now? Uh, I think it's 479 will be the next one going out. It's fucking insane. Um, you're nearing the 500th show yes it would have been a huge live show but you know covid we don't keep it that real <laughs> yeah. but that's different from the huge live show that you were going to do for the 10th anniversary what well, was the 10th and then it became the 11th and then we had to cancel yeah. it we just had to shake can it because uh but if if there hadn't day. been a covid mm -hmm. not only would you have had the 10th anniversary show but you would also probably be doing a live 500th episode show or am I wrong? Well, I think that would have been the 500th episode. We were trying to time it so that it would have been the 500th. Not last year, but when we were going to do the 11th, we're like, oh, we might be able to get it in there. Right. But now it's uh, it's, it's not an issue. Um, so somberly put. Yeah. But now I was really looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, the show. Like more than I knew, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> really. So fucking broken. <laughs> Everything going good for this guy. Yeah. Married and loved and shit. And he's like, but there's that thing that didn't happen. So great about being alive anyway. <laughs> <laughs> what is the... Let's talk about um, Tesdi, uh, where, where it started versus where it is uh, right now. You guys have been doing it for over 10 years. You passed the 10-year anniversary. You're coming up on episode fucking 500. Um, we're in Jane Silent Bob's uh, secret stash, uh, the new version of the secret stash, which is at 65 versus 35. I always conflate the numbers. Uh, the legendary stash from Comic Book Men was at 35 Broad Street. We are uh, just down the block. And in this space, uh, the Tesdi Cats have what I kept calling a Tesdi Theater while they were building it but um it really doesn't make sense because people are like what we can go watch the show and it's like yeah. well i guess that's <laughs> that's i guess that's what a theater did, connotes and or denotes and, and i was wrong um 
I then I shifted to calling it the Tesdi Museum because of the collection of shit. But it is, in fact, the Tesdi Town General Store or Tesdi General Store? TSD Town General Store. Um, a store within a store, kids, uh, here at uh, Jane Silent Bob Secrets Stash. And also now a production facility. Like uh, it, uh, for those listening, you can't see it. For those watching, you might be able to. There's a green screen to my left. This is a concept that blows my fucking mind. Not green screen. That I understand. It's <laughs> part of my world and shit. But that you two dudes particularly. I can't even lump Quinn into this. But you two dudes. Because Quinn, going back to like first meeting Quinn, Quinn was a, a creature of hope. That's what they'll write on his gravestone. <laughs> Quinn, a creature of hope. He was a guy who like was like, hey, the world, you know, is it lies in front of me. You two are the oldest fucking old, young men I've ever known in my life who by the time we started hanging out, we're both like, it's all over. What was the point? And fucking like really summed up life to what it was. And there was never any hint of maybe we'll make a thing. You know what I'm saying? Green screen means only one thing. Maybe we'll make a thing. And the reason that, and this ain't even maybe anymore because... I, don't, I doubt that you guys would have let a, a wall go green if you were like, we might get to green screen. It became something that was needed because of how much oh, production yeah. you actually do. Yeah, we do. A, we have done a, quite a bit of green screen production in the last three years. When did that start and why? I mean, I'm not questioning like, why would you do that? But <laughs> how, I guess really it's more how, who, in, in, the th in the three of you, who first said, let's shoot something in front of green screen? Yeah. yeah. Are you shitting me? Yeah, because yeah. I wanted to do a Halloween episode and I wanted to have uh, get him in a green suit and we're going to paint his face orange and put a pumpkin, make him look like a pumpkin, <laughs> like a floating pumpkin. Right. And I was like, how can we do that? And I, and I was talking to Tom Mum from Comic Book Man and he goes, well, the easiest way to do it was to, is to get a green screen. And when he said green screen, you're th I'm thinking like, oh man, it's going to be like tens of thousands of dollars. He goes, no, you can buy one for like 50 bucks. <laughs> and you were like. Yeah. So I was like, but then I just had to find someone that could, you know, then film it and then take out, you know, and do all the, the editing part of it to make it look like he's actually floating there. And uh, I just put out the, the uh, plea or to the, the listener base. I was like, Hey man, does anybody know, know anything about green screen? And uh, a cat named uh, Brian Rupert from staten island yeah great guy you know he was like i can do it said with the tone of a new jersey from staten island yeah. <laughs> meaning they're not all a waste <laughs> you quinn and this yeah. boy they like also. to throw me they throw me bones when they <laughs> every once in a while there's a real yeah, kind of yeah. like yeah. staten island nice like, O'Halloran oh, lived there for a while too so we had uh yeah. we had him yeah but uh, he got out of there quick yeah, he got out he got out <laughs> he's sensible he couldn't survive <laughs> <laughs> and when and when i saw how badass that halloween episode looked on we like they put smoke behind us they put backgrounds of uh, like a haunted forest that was it i was like and i knew that like there is there's we're no longer a podcast we're a television show <laughs> 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 now this part of the story for anyone who's been like let's say they joined tesdy five years in i think if they're if they're there from day one they might kind of glean what i'm talking about here but let's say you joined from like even say three years ago or somebody jumped in and stuff, even if they went back and listened to the old catalog. I don't think most people would bat an eyelash at you guys making stuff and, and being in production and shit like that. 
But knowing you, as I thought I did, or at least as I did back in the day, um, it, it's one of the most, like, that's the part of this, all of this story that captures my imagination, makes me happiest, that you, like, the podcast is, uh, it doesn't exist without you guys being makers. Everybody making shit. But the podcast is, like, uh, l- not heavy lifting because it just requires us to sit around and say some shit on a mic. Right. An audio podcast. Yes. Yeah. Once you get into the world of like, this has to, that becomes what they call like the the vision. Like when people are like, what's your vision and shit? And I'm like, I got none. Here's the script. Follow that. That becomes visionary. Like it takes somebody to be like, I don't know, fucking floating head. Should be easy. Let's find somebody to do it. And then suddenly open that door and be like, oh, I could do this more and more. Oh yeah, and we were, but we were lucky enough to find really talented people to help us along the way, like yeah. Chuck and I, Victor. I think though what he's talking about though is because I've seen what you're talking about happen play out like a car wreck in slow motion, but in reverse. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I, that's you know yeah. I'd be very curious to hear your take on it. it it's it's it, it. The Patreon was really where I like there was always this insane like surprising creativity coming out of Walt that was like wow like this is fun and and then when the Patreon started then it was like I would get texts at like midnight well about like a pumpkin head or, or, about two pumpkin heads yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like this this uh this creativity and this passion just started coming out of walt that that uh, it's almost hard to keep up with and like started making me feel bad about my meager contributions right, right. You're like, like, i used to be one third of this and now i show up and i'm given a script and you don't know like you show up now it's like and, and because nothing is done like a real production he, he, he'll be like, yeah, just show up and bring like a Joker wig. And I'll be like, all right. And I'll come in and they'll that's, be like, fuck you. That's how we do it in Hollywood. It's awesome. I call him Affleck. I'm like, show up, bring a Joker wig. We'll figure it out. Right. So he's he's on it. And like, I'll walk in and I'll just be, for some reason, every time I walk into the stash, it's still going to be the three of us and get him and maybe chuck. Like now there's lights and there's cameras and there's everything. And I'm like, oh, we're really working here. This is fun. Uh, it's, it's, it's crazy to it's say. It's closer. It's now looking more like your day job. Yeah, than it bit. used to. Right. Yeah, yeah that, that's one of the things like where like like the Patreon stuff definitely um we try to be a little bit more uh like in that vein. But I think that like I always lean on that like you're coming from that every day doing that IJ stuff and doing it with all the cameras and everything. So that's why I think that I I think TSD should try to be what you know for what you guys what it originally was, which is this this very therapeutic. Wow. Not not uh, not is. acting and not like you know going off like you know let's dress up in costumes and look like dorks or whatever. Yeah, it's but like, you want to show up at, like something happens when we show up and I'm like, oh, I, I really want to perform for you. It's, like, <laughs> it's almost like he's Sam Raimi. I'm like, all right, well, what are we doing? All right, I don't want to be the weak link here. It's like it's it's great and they like guys like Chuck. They come in and they're so professional. You're like, oh wow, you can't you can't dial it in because it'll break his heart. When and when did Chuck come into it? Chuck came into it. We um, we did a live show at the Gramercy in New York. New York. I don't know, a couple years ago, two thousand nine, and two thousand six. Oh, years, a lifetime ago. Uh, and um, Dexter. Oh yeah, Dexter contacted Chuck, okay. and then okay, and then Chuck filmed the live show, and then the footage was basically lost for for over a year and then chuck uh, contacted me and i almost threw the email away because it was such a long fucking email <laughs> this fucking guy <laughs> like it was, i don't have time for this yeah because it was this long email about this practical joke he wanted to pull 
and he wanted to send it to, I don't, I don't even remember it. Cause I was just, you know, the space yeah, yeah. <laughs> as he retells the tale, he's like the disgust, like this man who changed our life had a dumb idea and I hated it. <laughs> it was almost, I was almost hit and delete. And then he said, I'm, I'm the guy that filmed, um, the grammar scene. I have that footage. What do you want to do with it? Oh, useful. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, new best friend. <laughs> if he had, if he hadn't put that in there at the bottom, yeah, I, I would have just like, just lost over that email and never even the lesson here kids is like lead with the, the pertinent information <laughs> right in the first paragraph why i'm important to you um is is and then i'm going to get to you because I, you you have borne witness to more than all of us so your take is going to be very crucial but is the increase in like let's make stuff directly related to the patreon vis-a-vis we have an audience with expectation or Oh, we can just do literally anything we want now. I have to fill I have to fill time. I have to put asses in seats, so we need to make things. Or so is it a is it fed by responsibility or is it fed by oh, this would be fucking fun. I just want to do this. Both. Then then you and I are are one. This is like the proudest day of my life. <laughs> <laughs> because that's that's it. That's the fucking key. That's the secret. You've got a fucking way to make a living where you actually would have done it anyway if you could have done it inexpensively and without putting anybody out. The only reason you feel okay about putting people out or whatever is because now well, it's a, also a job. There's money involved. But if yeah. there was no money involved, you would still be like... It would definitely would still be audio. Because, all I, audio because I feel like the like the in, the injection of uh, a budget yes. allowed, a, well, allowed me to be like, all right, I'm going to I'm going to dress up everybody, I guess, the cast of Batman 66. And then we're going to get into Star Wars costumes. And then we're going to do this because I had I had I had money to play with. So I was like, all right. No and apparently a no. closet full of costumes <laughs> yeah. as well. Uh, That's should, the key to this story. You see downstairs that the, the, uh, the Tesdi storeroom. That's, it's all it, costumes. It's a, yeah, it looks like something out of like, it's like the fucking you, First Avenue Playhouse backstage. And that's like when, that's how excited he gets. Like he sent me a picture of that room. And he goes, we have our own wardrobe. <laughs> That's like a childlike, you know what I mean? Like it was a glee to it. Yeah. To see. Like old school 1940s back, you know, like an old, like a wardrobe. Fucking, like or a, SNL. That's what they do at SNL. There's a room full of fucking clothing where they're like, go dress like a tiger. We have that now. Yeah. Fucking... We spent, we literally, I mean, these guys don't know it, but I literally spent thousands on costumes. <laughs> I want an accounting. <laughs> I have no idea how many costumes I purchased. You see a budget finally. There's a line item for costumes six, seven figures long. <laughs> it's got to be convincing. Um, we made the, a movie suit for the movies pop-up joints. And uh, I, I I was like, I want to get a you know a mascot suit. And so somebody sent me to the Like a high school mascot. Did. I should have said that because that would have indicated cheaper. But I said it in Hollywood, and they're like, "Oh, use these people." And it was the people who make the suits for the Masked Singer. Oh, oh my god! Yeah. So you know, the lady gave us a price, and and she's like, you know, the, it, it was uh, this is kind of a deal, and it was like twelve grand, oh. and I was like, you know, it's not even. It's hard to say this, but a deal would be ten grand, and that's not even a deal. <laughs> so she got it down to ten grand. The moment you spend ten grand on a costume. Give them an accounting. That's when you know you're in trouble. Somebody else needs to be involved in the conversation. You have known uh, Walter the longest, Brian Johnson. Yeah. Um, great. 1978. Is that it? Yeah. Have, yeah. Did you guys, you must have done in all your shows, have you you've done the Secret Origin episode of like the first conversation we had and all that shit? 
Uh, we've talked about like things in fifth grade that we remember, like the the wild ass yeah. picture that my that Walt drew for me, and Pam was like, "You can't hang around with him anymore because it was wild ass." <laughs> because it was what it was, a, yeah, an ass with eyeballs that were like you know uncoordinated, looking in, yeah, looking in different directions. Years later, it would be evil legs. Remember that? Yeah, I remember evil legs. <laughs> <laughs> you have been so you've known him the longest. So you've seen Walt Flanagan through the ages, and now you're very familiar with Walt Flanagan. Uh, entrepreneur, businessman, uh, right. co-star, fucking all those things. If it's I'm fucking, sh- yes, if <laughs> I'm fucking flabbergasted, well, not, what was your perception of me that, like, I was? Well, I thought you were a loser. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand this. Like, well, no, this you're a very like, like reserved kind of guy, like incredibly creative, brilliant. I think, brilliant. but but not like. I like that. Not, um, <laughs> I do. I, I do I like think that. that, like, the, the sh- clearly the sh- the there's brilliance on, at work. The shows on Patreon that you've made up, like, that I love so much when you're like, we're going to do this thing called Frank Five Rewind, where we look back at shows that we like and we're just going to fucking comment on them. And I'm like, I can talk about TV shows? Like, thanks, Walt. <laughs> that's <laughs> my job? Yeah, it, that's my job. And so many times I thank the ants for, like, making it. So this is my job. But really, another person to thank would be Walt, because without him, it, it wouldn't be what it is. It, it definitely would not be. The uh, Around these parts, uh, there's a lot of uh, always Walt hero worship because as I've told Walt many times, as I said many times in the real world, I, I'm i not, and you guys aren't sitting here and having this conversation without Walt. I'm not sitting here and having this conversation with you guys without Walt. I'm probably still working, you know, fucking nine to five jobs if I'm lucky and stuff like that. Meeting Walter Flanagan, and I don't mean this to sound arrogant by any stretch of the imagination, but follow me on this because I'll prove it out. Um, was something that literally dented the universe, cracked it, if you will. Like made him and I meeting made such I a wish, fucking impact. I, I had this effect on girls when I was in high school. <laughs> <laughs> Only boys, look around you. You're surrounded by fucking sausage. That's it. It's a bunch of dudes going, he's the best. And a bunch of chicks going like, no. Like, where was, like, I would have killed for this adoration, like, in high school. The uh, Well, you got it from me. Uh, not in high school, but post high school and stuff but if i don't meet walt i don't meet jay i don't meet you and that means clerks doesn't really happen because you're randall jay's jay um i'm me but like that's not enough to hang a fucking motion picture on so i could trace like everything back to meeting walter and trying to please walter the nut that you had to crack yes like everything was against it yes you're not a friendly guy. The, yes. <laughs> He's absolutely right about that. You, the, it was earned work. Uh, Stand off. I, I'll, 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 I'll say I can point to people who will, who will say that I am a friendly guy. Agreed. It takes a little bit of time. Though. Yes. Yeah, because, you know, it's, it's tough. Yes. Deb? <laughs> <laughs> We've been together how long? Tell them. Tell them I'm a good guy. Put the girls on. You, uh, you are very slow to warm up to people. There's, I thought about it, like, in regards to, is get him behind me? He was there at one point. Yeah. Yeah. I thought about it in terms of get him today when I was hanging out. Uh, we were doing the grand opening of the stash this weekend. That's why I'm here in town and stuff. But as I was looking at get him and like you were talking to get him at one point, I was like, oh, shit, that's 
The get him is Kevin that's, Smith. That's my son. 3.0. <laughs> I guess. More or less. Yes. Yes. I would co-sign that as well. <laughs> that's your work son. <laughs> but that's it's, a son I never had. It is the, it's, it's, you've had, you've always had like an acolyte. And I think I might be the first because Brian's a friend. What's that acolyte? I've heard acolyte that is word. somebody who's like, I like what he's, he says. I'm going to follow this priest, this holy man. <laughs> <laughs> so to me, you were more like a shaman. To him, you were an equal and a friend. But I come in at our, a point in our relationship where when our relationship begins, I'm like, oh, this fucking guy's smart. Like, it's like what he says, where it's like, he's fuck. I don't know if I was like, he's brilliant at that point. <laughs> I would come to know you were brilliant. But like so much of who I am and what I went on to do professionally is really predicated on like two factors. Uh, if, if you were like, what do you know about Kevin Smith? They're like, fucking he likes comics and isn't he always wear that hockey jersey? And both of those things literally came from Walt. So mall rats, clerks is something that inarguably changed the culture. And I can say that now with comfort, you know, back in the day, I'd be ashamed to be like, you can't say shit like that. Over 25 years later, it's definitely changed the fucking culture. Clerks doesn't exist unless I meet Walt, who then introduces me to you, who then introduces me to to Jay. Walt was there when we made Clerks as well at Ground Zero. And this version of Walt Flanagan, the one that like has a green screen, the one that's like, I bought all these costumes, <laughs> the one that like seems like an alternate reality Walt Flanagan. I saw hints of that guy when we made Clerks. Because there was a world where, you know, day one, everybody is around to make the movie because like this is new and fun and shit. By day three, everyone dropped out. Like people were just gone. Like, you know, they were like Ed stopped coming by day three. Yeah. It's just fucking boring for people that aren't. I mean, we were I was going to say for people aren't in on the action, but we had such a small group. Everyone was in on the action. But I think, you know, Ed was just kind of like this is boring and he moved on. and shit. Walter was there every damn day. And the guy also least likely. When I went to the Vancouver Film School, Walter like wrote me and was always like more interested in like that's for lack of a better description. It was almost like he was going, that's creative. You're doing something creative. That's interesting. And it was never like that. That was always a part of my life that I kept separate from you because I was like. I don't want to fucking tell him that I'm into making things because what if he's like, don't do that, that's stupid. Because I knew I would have stopped. Oh, used a different word? Yes. Mm. Yes. Particularly back then. <laughs> <laughs> a word that we're not allowed to use anymore, but yes. Back then it meant stupid as well. Yeah. But yeah. It's just, yeah. Yes. That was a question of sexuality. No. <laughs> exactly. But there was, there was like, uh, a, when I went away, you would write. When I came home to make Clerks, you were there for the whole thing. And then also acting in it was like a real revelation where you were like, I I'll do that. Because like you weren't a play kid in high school, like you weren't no. in the theater or anything like that. But I saw glimpses of that cat when we made Clerks because you were like, this is like, for lack of a better description, you were like, this is awesome. Like, I like this. Like making a movie? That's fucked up. Let's do it. And it was never like a Quinn type of enthusiasm of like, gee, this is great. Let's do this, guys. <laughs> That's how I see Quinn forever. All right with that. <laughs> I'll take that. It was more of a of like, um, oh, this like this is this is interesting, and like watching you now grow into a maker. And I know I like for some reason I keep leaving out ten years of fucking the podcast, but 
you know, we all do podcasts that don't require much. That don't feel like being a maker to me. And I'm not taking anything away from the audience. They're like, fuck you. If you make a podcast, you're a maker. But like making something in terms of like you show up at this time, you wear this fucking costume, you stand in front of here, you, I need these lenses. That is, if I hadn't seen that dude on the clerk set, I would be like, you were replaced by a fucking alien. Really? Yes. Because even though you drew and could draw insanely well, it was never, you were never like, I could draw, so I'm just going to make a comic book. Like that was the one thing that you didn't have was a ambition. An initiative to just be like, oh, I could take it from here to here. Like you could fucking draw, but you were never like, I'm going to fucking draw right. the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Now you literally have like in your life, you have writ large with two fucking partners and shit, your own universe. As I'm sitting in a room that like is surrounded by tchotchkes of an adventure that has been going <laughs> on for 10 fucking years that like when people come into the stash that don't know anything about Jane, Saul and Bob or the movies. I'm sure they look around and they're like, well, this must be a thing to somebody, but I've never heard of this shit. You will have the exact same effect on people walking into this room. I've oh, never heard of Tell Him Steve Davis. And be like, <laughs> it's like shit. Do you, yes. play, do you play Magic the Gathering in here? <laughs> you know what? It hints at that. It really does. When I look around the room, I can see it. But it's it's so weird and wonderful to see what has been built and and like this but this is the thing that captured my imagination i was like i'm i'm sorry did you say they wanted a green wall <laughs> and they were like yeah well they do a lot of shooting i'm like well i mean they can't do that that much shooting can they like they do a lot of green screen and then i went and looked and i was like jesus christ like they've become the muppet show <laughs> it went from a podcast where like literally i was there for the birth of this podcast it was about like one sad dude. Yeah. And now it's about funny costumes. Yeah, like, yeah, I'm dressed up like the Golden Girls. <laughs> Zack Snyder's Justice League is now streaming on HBO Max. Hey, man, it's me, Kevin Smith, and I can tell you that I watched all four hours of Zack Snyder's Justice League in one sitting, man, from Friday at one in the morning to Friday at five in the morning, and I love it. It's a beautiful film. This is Zack Snyder's definitive director's cut of Justice League. Fans demanded it, and HBO Max heard their calls. Packed full of DC cameos and Easter eggs, but it's a new film with new footage, new visual effects, and a total running time spilling just over four hours, split into six chapters. Ben Affleck, Henry Cavill, Gal Gadot, Jason Momoa, Ray Fisher, and Ezra Miller reprised their roles. Batman, determined to ensure Superman was not sacrificed in vain, aligns forces with Diana Prince and plans to recruit a team to protect the world from an imminent threat. Each of the recruits must face the demons of their own past to transcend that which has held them back, allowing them to come together and finally form a league of heroes. Now united, Batman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Cyborg, and The Flash may be too late to save the planet from Steppenwolf, Desaad, and Darkseid and their dreadful intentions. Oh, I love the flick, man. You're you're now going to be able to watch it, see it in all its glory on HBO Max. What are you waiting for? Haven't you waited long enough for the damn Snyder Cut? Come on, dig in, get some corn, get something to drink, go to the bathroom before it begins, and sit down and just luxuriate in Zack Snyder's Justice League. Zack Snyder's Justice League is now streaming on HBO Max. What has been, uh, you are the, you are at the epicenter of the journey. 
Um, the reason that it all began was uh, to throw you a fucking uh, life preserver, right. something to cling to. It has long stopped since, since that being that, or am I wrong? No, I would say Do that. Do you still use it like therapy? Still that. Um, maybe not as much as I once did because the place isn't as deep and dark. But it's true. But it Ooh, definitely. Let's talk about that. When you start, so you're almost 500 episodes in. Right. You may, I'm, you'll never be, uh, you know, done with your pain, but you may be through like a lot of your fucking dark shit. Like, number one, you're fucking happily married. So that indicates you're through with a lot of dark shit. But that entire time of 10 years of essentially doing therapy on this podcast is probably why you're a lighter person now. Because there was a period when you were, you know, pretty fucking dark and stuff right. like that. And not dark, fun dark. Because there was a period where you were you were always dark <laughs> with a dark sense of humor. But when the sense of humor went away and the darkness remained, that's when it was sad. What do you and think he murder-suicide, Kev? Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, that was one of the most shy I've talked about it before. And I tell it all the time. And I hope whenever I tell it, I'm like, Jesus, I hope that he doesn't care. Like, that, that you're not like, shut the fuck up. But, like, I tell the story of Walter reaching out and being like, you should call Brian. And... That is like a phone call that I've never had from him ever. Like fucking, and it and we don't talk on a regular basis. So for him to call at all was kind of like, uh oh. And I was like, why? What's up? And he's like, he's he doesn't sound good lately, man. And I called you, and I was like, what's up, big? How are you? And you were like, well, I have one foot on the stool. And I was like, I didn't have that reaction. Damn shit on the floor. <laughs> My reaction was just like, oh Jesus, uh, like fucking you're. You can't be that person because, like, I think, like, you're fucking a god. Like, if if you're if you're if God is fucking sad and thinking about having one foot on the stool, where does that fucking leave me? Naturally, your problems led right to mine. Right. Where I was just like, what does this mean for me? So I, you know, I was I said, hey man, you should do podcasts. Like they love you guys when you're on fucking podcasts. You sit around talking. You would feel fucking. You would hear what people say about you. You'd feel valued. Blah blah blah. So it started as like therapy for you, but now I'm not going to say therapy's done because I guess I've never been to therapy, but that's a lifelong thing. But never ends. <laughs> it would seem though that like, I, for lack of a better description, you have unburdened yourself for a decade. Yeah, I see. Like when I was living in LA, when I was running the the West Coast stash out there, I, I saw a psychologist uh, weekly, and it just, did you really? Oh yeah, Dana. I remember Dana. You fucking saw Dana too? We all saw Dana. <laughs> Let me tell you something, kids, and we're not supposed to talk about this because of therapy or whatever the fuck, mm -hmm. the rules of it. But at one point, this Dana person was seeing Brian Johnson, Scott Mosier, Jennifer Schwabach, and I was like, it's got to be me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what are they all going in there and being like, I hate him. I just don't know how to tell him. So you were seeing somebody, and I'm, I'm not saying like shit on that to raise this, but talking to one person about your shit versus talking to number uh, two people, close friends, and then the world as well. Has it been more therapeutic than the single conversation? Absolutely. Certainly been more profitable and more productive it, and fun, but that cost me money. <laughs> Excellent point. Oh my God. You're so right. You used to pay for the fucking therapy. Now mm -hmm. people pay you to do therapy, to listen to you talk about your problems. It's, it's nice. I mean, not nice that people have problems that are similar to mine, but it is nice that they're like, hey, I went through the same thing. I'm going through the same thing. Like, it helped me. Like, the number of times I've heard that the podcast has helped them, I don't really care about other people that much. 
but it does make you feel. I'll vouch like, for that. He's right. He's, yeah, he I, I don't. I very do small list. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's it's nice to know that like you do have an effect, and it's like that was that would never happen in regular therapy. You know, I would go and I would be like, "Hey, you want to know what happened in therapy today?" And somebody'd be like, "No, not really. I don't care." Right. Whereas, like, maybe not everybody cares about this particular issue that I had this week, but some people will be able to relate. That's that's what I like. Just being. And that's like when we used to listen to Stern all the time prior to him becoming Hampton's the Howie. The unsung, oh, listen to you, getting judgy and shit, throwing <laughs> yeah. in some fucking shade on the side. <laughs> Hampton's Howie. To be fair, credit where credit's due. Part of the reason we all podcast, probably main reason, we, well, the main reason I do and part of the reason I know you do, and I think it's probably in your DNA, but you not so much because you were never a big guy. I uh, never listened to any Stern, radio. Stern is in the DNA of a lot of the things we do, particularly of, of the podcast stuff, because that was, I remember listening to a dude be like, could you imagine, like, remember the, the thing that we would always say to each other, the dream job that Brian and I described as like, oh my God, that would be it was one time Jackie Martling, Martling mentioned he made $1,000 a week. And this was yeah. like in the late 80s, early 90s. And me and him were like, could you imagine getting paid a fucking $1,000 a week to just sit around with your friends and make fun of shit? Like, oh my God, that's the dream. You're literally fucking living that dream. Doing far better than Jackie Martling in the late 80s, early even, 90s. Even now. Yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <particularly even now. laughs> um, it is. Um, and it was two guys who were sitting around a fucking convenience store just being like, wouldn't that be awesome? And dreaming. then it turns into it. Yeah. But I think. But that comes from. But, but honestly, like I could trace that back to Walter. The arrogance, the hubris, hubris of being like, I, you know what? I want to make a fucking movie and I think I can make an interesting movie. Like goes back to um, you going like, I don't give a fuck that people don't read comic books. Some people think comic books are stupid. Like I'll never, I tell it all the time, but you've fucking literally said, you were like, why? Because I was like, yeah, but fucking a lot of people make fun of people that read comics. You're like, who? And I was like, well, I guess me is what I was saying. <laughs> but you were just like, why would someone make fun of me? He's like, fucking, I read The Watchmen. They didn't. I should make fun of them. And I was like, my God, it's fucking just a simple flip like that. And the same thing got me to a place eventually of like, even though you were never like, Kev, you should go out and fucking tell stories and blah, blah, blah. It was an ethos that I didn't have that I adopted like many things like you know i liked comics when i was a kid and the super friends and stuff but i gave it up in high school because i was like i want to get laid and you were the guy that was like why would i give this up because don't look me anyway (laughs) (laughs) i have no chance in pussy so (laughs) comics it is but you held on to comics all throughout high school correct like you kept reading and shit i did oh yeah did you keep it on the down low though yeah did you really yeah in my in my hero's heart of my view of you is in in high school you put your feet up on a teacher's desk and you're reading (laughs) fucking (laughs) doc savage comics and shit like that the few parties i went to you remember the friday night parties Mm -hmm. and high school parties it was real tough to just start talking about comics you know and try to impress people it was just not happening but what do you mean like eddie murphy like well no. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a good comic don't get me wrong but a great comic's the Watchmen. <laughs> um new walt would find a way to market the comics and kegger hour <laughs> and make it part of the patreon everybody we're meeting down murray's beach every friday night for this level this this members only how many levels do you guys have 
Does that make it sound like Scientology? Mm, yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> what is, when did they find out that they're fucking aliens? If you want to buy it. None of our ants are clear yet. They're still going clear. <laughs> Six, uh, six levels? Five or one, six? two, three, four. I think there's six. Yeah, six yeah. tiers. Um, Quinky, you're uh, for those who came in late. Of course, Brian Quinn here is uh, is super fucking famous for uh, Walter mentioned it before by hip initials, but uh, uh, <laughs> impractical jokers. I J. He said he was like I J, and I was like that's fucking. You could tell you must talk about that on Tell Him Steve Dave. <laughs> Nobody wants to say Impractical Jokers anymore. It's just become IJ. IJ. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was Jokers. Now it's just IJ. <laughs> yeah. This, for me, your role in Tell Him Steve Dave uh, was always like, oh, Brian gets to be me. Like if I was here, yeah, I would have fucking for sure fucking sat in on this show. Yeah, um, I think that's accurate. But you... Uh, are the the essential third because if one steps back from the show and looks at it it's kind of like a marriage counselor who's been working for 10 years to keep married people together do you see your role thusly yeah i always saw myself as kind of like a, a pivot point that could argue whatever both their stances like just kind of here in the middle and stuff like that um and reacting or just trying to rein it in here and there. I, I actively try to never drive the conversation on Tell Steve Dave, which is fun because these two are just so great at it. What's the difference between this job and the other job? Well, yeah. <laughs> other than the filthy lucre, <laughs> that true, true money. Um, you know, the other job, it's, it, it's, this is, there's, there's never a time I don't want to do uh, TS. Always love coming down. Always have fun. You know, the other one it, at times, there's been entire seasons where it's been a job, as opposed to me fucking around with my friends. This is always me fucking around with my friends. Which is weird because that too is also you fucking around with your yeah. friends. I know yeah, you may is. be the luckiest person in the world because your two jobs are literally like, oh, <laughs> I have to go work with my fucking friends yeah. again. And before that, I worked in a firehouse, which was just a frat house. And it's like I've just been coasting along on like this. This great chummiest vibe. employee ever. Hey man, just, <laughs> I'm here to have fun, guys. <laughs> um, what is the um, what's the most surprising thing to you about the fact that you guys have been doing this a decade? Actually, that it's not surprising at all. I I, I don't think this will stop till one of us is dead. I think one of us dies, then we do a, a big wrap up funeral episode, and then that's it. <laughs> Probably with a green screen and special yeah, effects. Yeah. 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 Smoke, float yeah, heads, like, <laughs> <laughs> dead body reanimated. <laughs> <laughs> You should really put that in writing now. You guys should put together like a Tesdy pact where whoever dies, you agree to have your corpse animated in, in a f future video. <laughs> Originally, the idea was Walt wanted to, well, it was, we just all assumed I would die first. This was in the throes of my drug Fair addiction. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> I would have put money on that. And uh, he wanted to stuff me and put me in the stash with like a highlight reel running on a TV screen. <laughs> that'd be brilliant. I thought that'd be fantastic. Mummify you? It'd yeah. be like when you went to like uh, Ripley's Believe It or Not. Right. You're like, is that a real body? You're like, oh yeah. yeah. That's a former podcast. So shut. <laughs> and the beard is still growing yeah oh that'd be awesome um brian you also like uh in the midst tesdy came before in impractical jokers oh, yeah like i can't i three years like three years before it um but impractical jokers bought a brewery yeah uh well yeah i, I right i started a beer company um i didn't buy a brewery. like i don't own the brewery like i can't 
give tours and stuff. Is that right? So you don't yeah, know buildings? It's, it's like a gypsy. In building. my head, you were like Bart Simpson no. when he bought that building and <laughs> yeah. shit. I'm no. like, he has an entire cool. factory. <laughs> no, because you so can, wait, explain you what can is rent. It? You could like go to breweries and be like, hey man, I, I gotta just rent your tank. It's like a ghost kitchen you, where you can exactly. like run like food out of somebody right. else's kitchen. So it's like you could either because to start a brewery is like two million dollars, right? And, you know, whereas to just rent it is is just the cost of a brew and a little more. So so when did you get the idea to? take over because it, it is an existing brand or no it, well no it was a brand on stat uh, rnh beer it was a brand on staten island from uh, 1886 to 1950 and i had never heard about it and then as i get older i started getting more interested in staten island history and i started doing research and i started looking into stuff and i was like holy shit dude, this this brewery was unbelievably successful it was it was like a, a like a top shelf and then it would just got forgotten and i was like well that doesn't seem right so I, I I bought the trademark and and hired a a, a brewer. Yeah, yeah. This <laughs> a woman named Amanda. She's fucking unbelievable. Like she's she takes like she, she sits down. And she's like, well, what type of beer do you like? And I describe it to her, and then she comes back with like five or six different uh, test batches. And then I have the firehouse guys come over and they drink it with me, and we we give notes, and it's like just a blast. It's a blast. It's like I just wanted to do something that was just fun, like you. You know what I mean? Like just let's just do this for fun. So, but the difference between you and me is when I want to do something for fun, I'm like, let's put my face all over it, and my friends. Yeah, <laughs> you wouldn't know if I tripped into your fucking beer. Yeah, it's, it's not like Brian Quinn brand beer. No, I'm impractical told, beer. Yeah, I'm Tell actually beer, Dave. <laughs> like there, there's no angle, no hook. What's that all about? That's me being a bad marketer. I was uh, gonna say, uh, yeah. more comfortable. Like for me, my read on it was like. This cat's so fucking cool. He don't have to stoop to bucket like buy my shit. Like no, he's I like, should stoop. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, smart I money stoops. Stoop. Yeah, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not stooping enough. I got to stoop a little bit more. But it would have been stupid. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's very stupid. I have to like uh, like went for the four months we had before the pandemic shut us down. I was going to bars and I was going in bars and like buying the whole bar of beer. I saw and stuff. on like social media you like were that. being a very, a very active. Stupid. Yeah, <laughs> you were stooping it. Um, but there was something about the pandemic and we weren't really, you know, I don't know. It just felt like a weird time to be like, hey, guys, order my beer. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know. It's just I, there's COVID. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> there you go. There's an angle. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't in the mood for it and stuff like that. I, I so we, you know, I, I, I do a radio show every week for it. And, uh, I, I do minimal, but I, I really got to do more. I'm, I'm, I'm charismatic. Time to lean into it, man. Fucking like, didn't Clooney make a billion dollars selling booze? Yeah, that's actually what Cara, the woman who runs the company, she was like, she was like, Clooney, this shit. She's you like, idiot. what the fuck? Because we, we were ordering the beer truck, and I was like, nah, just put the logo on the side. And she's like, just put you on the truck. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. And she's like, Clooney, if a truck drives by, it's his face drinking a tequila. She's like, do it. And I didn't do it. <laughs> do it. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I got to do it. But I just, I don't the know. Brewmeister told you to do this? Yeah. No. Why won't this you is, listen to the this, Brewmeister? Oh. The, uh, the COO of the company, uh, Kara. So wait a second. Who who owns the company? I own the company. And what's the COO? I, COO. I don't know. It's just a title she wanted, I think. So I just get, you know, whatever. She runs the company. Kara runs the, basically runs the company. For me. Right on. So, uh, she, so all the administrative shit. Yeah, you're all the fun. She's all the like. Bingo. Here's how you fucking That's make it. this work. Yeah, she she's been working in breweries for decades. Uh, not decades, not that old, but uh, for a long time. And uh, <laughs> she's I'm listening. Sorry, going, Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm glad you weren't on the side of the truck. <laughs> so she she's um, that was it exactly. I was like, if you could do the fun, I'll do the fun stuff. You do everything else, and she's got a mind for it. So I just let her make all the decisions. And you meet her in a bar or something like. That? No, I've known her since she was seven. 
Uh, she was just my friend's uh, little you sister. You met at seven in a bar? Yeah, we were. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so I don't know. She's just always impressed me as a, like a type A. Like, Is she a beer drinker? Does one yeah. need to be a like a beer f- a f- liker or aficionado to be involved uh, in the beer business? The two ladies that run my company certainly enjoy beer. They, they drink it a lot. Yeah, Every yeah. time I've seen her, yeah, it seems like she likes beer. They like drinking a lot of beer. Yeah. <laughs> But it's good. It's the drunk really COO. <laughs> <laughs> fucking jerk won't put his face on a truck. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, put shit. it on the side of a fucking building, but not our truck. Yeah. <laughs> right outside the Smodco offices in, in uh, California and Los Angeles. Giant fucking impractical jokers fucking side of a building. Oh, yeah. I apologize to every day. We're like, no, it's very <laughs> I, I'm rarely in the office, but the Jordan says like every day I see that and it makes me so fucking happy. She's like, I can't believe I know that person. She's the best. She's, a She's just great. Yeah. Isn't it weird, though? Like you look at Q and you think of such humble beginnings. Yes. And like, well, I like, think I'm of proud such hostile like, beginnings. Proud of the guy. Hostile beginnings. Hostile. Yeah. <laughs> Where he walks into a bookstore and fucking tells off a poor clerk to impress the guy who made clerks mark mm. the iron that's vision that's right. that is that's vision <laughs> that's got him hired that's for sure i was like i need that young man i need that kind of moxie yeah. it is that's it's it's funny how red bank just over the years because like this this used to be uh, a health i used to it, get shots for a wheatgrass shot yeah here. monica right here so oh it's like fun to be in here you know that's what i mean right. that's I, right I have the, all these weird memories of red bank this is one of them scott and monica were wheatgrassers oh they went through like two summers where that was it that's all they wanted dollar shot the um what is the what what is the most fun thing that you guys think you've done with Tesdy in the entire ten years? But it sounds like most of the really fun stuff has been happening in the last three to five. I found this stuff when we went to the auction, like when we go to the flea market, like, so like making the, hay. Yeah, like we'll, fucking we'll, episode three. Well, we did we did it three times. You've gone yeah, back. Really to the, we, we've we've gone back. Yeah, three, two more times after. That. Just out of curiosity, back. why <laughs> everybody else likes making hay the best? Why can't I? <laughs> <laughs> but just out of curiosity, why only three times? Why not? in ten years? Why not? how come it's not like we went back once a year for the making hay episode? I think it was just like it was special just, occasions, right? And yeah, yeah. It, it's just, just there's not enough lose, new people. It would lose its um its charm, you know. Look at there's, you, and that's cur- that's called curating. Like, rather than just going, like, we're going to fucking, you know, uh, fuck all of these sheep. You know, you're like, we're going to walk down. Uh, we're going to fuck one of those sheep. We're going to walk down the hill. Fuck all these sheep. <laughs> that old adage fell apart in my mouth. It sounds way dirtier than I meant it. Um, what about you? Um, man, I really like the game show stuff that we do. I, I could I could pick, like, uh, Flan and Son. Was that Elephants in the Room? Oh, like, yeah. Like, I like all the game show stuff because it, uh, well, the roasts, the roast was really. Roast was uh, good. A good one because everybody was fucking vicious, man. Everybody <laughs> went for everybody's throats. It was hysterical. It was so funny. Yeah, we put it out in 2016. We probably could not put it out in 2021. <laughs> no, yeah, no. it was like a roast back of the like back in the day on the one we watched on like TV. a Dean Martin yeah. roast. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I see, I see. <laughs> but wait a sec, who was that done for? Q. That was my first birthday. Q. Yeah, but it was for the Patreon audience. Uh, no, no, it was Patreon wasn't around then. We put it actually put it out on vinyl. It's uh, it's on the bottom down there. It's that's, that's one of the records. You it's one of the records. Which we record did. was it? It was first the double second. disc second. Yeah, the one with the cartoon, like yeah. the John yeah, K. Yeah, K looking his, art. Yeah. yeah. Um, I remember I got the first album. Somebody, I think you sent me a copy or something like that, and I put up a picture like on Twitter or something like that and I instantly got berated by a few ants who were like you piece of shit I didn't even see it yet. you fucking spoiled it <laughs> <laughs> I was like, like I guess that's how they grow their fans over there <laughs> thought I was helping my bad uh, <laughs> uh, how many records have you made two 
because we also released a, a little mini uh, 45 of oh. Sunday Jeff rap. Oh, no, the Christmas one, yeah. What Christmas one? Oh, no, no. With I have my Silent Sunday Jeff singing. Silent Sunday Jeff singing. Oh, we, we have a fan we, made that. Fan, fan made, made that. that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Official right. releases. We, we, <laughs> there's a bootleg. Yeah, like, there's bootlegs out there. <laughs> it's like fish bootleg. <laughs> there was somebody today here at the grand opening. Uh, we were letting uh, people who came for the grand opening sign the um, fake steel shutters on the fake quick stop in the back of the store. And a lot of the cats coming in were putting up their numbers and going like asking like what's what's my number do you remember oh, i remember my number and so i turned to walt and i was like they're all putting up their fucking uh tesdy numbers and walt goes like what's that and no, i was no, like no, what no, do you I, mean no, no. You're, you're, no i didn't i had not seen somebody that's with right, a card. it was a card that's was right card. my bad he i knew what the what numbers was. were he i was <laughs> like there's they had a card and he's like i don't know what that is and stuff but wait what you know what the numbers are i know what the numbers were yeah people who joined up got a number uh to the uh to the motorcycle oh, club. Demons, yeah, yeah. But I didn't realize that there was a there was a card that they could print out off the, off yeah, the website. I didn't yeah. realize that I, I'd forgotten about that. What when they yeah. and this was pre Patreon? Yeah. What were they joining? Uh, this was cute. I mean, cute like you know, a covert mailing list. <laughs> Is that what it was? <laughs> so it sounds like we're collecting data. Uh, I was watching uh, um, uh, what was the Sons of Anarchy and uh, getting into the whole motorcycle culture, and I was like, wow, we should start like a a, a comic book themed motorcycle gang club and um so we were just like fuck it but, but we anybody could join we we're like the rule was any all anybody had to do was see a motorcycle in their life and they could join and, and it it took off though it took like midwest housewives show up like a practical joker shows but like the vests and the stuff like that and a patch in the back and i took the patch to uh me and you remember we met that hell's angel guy mm -hmm. in, in manhattan and i showed him the patch and, and the hell's angel essentially gave us permission to do it because we were like, did you need the permission? Oh, yeah. yeah, off. yeah. Kill. Wait, wait, what? They could kill you and not, you know, if you were seen rocking, rocking you, that rocker. If you're in the wrong <laughs> wait. territory. Yeah, yeah, this is yeah, yeah. this if, is real deep shit. If you don't get. Why do I want to talk about this? Yeah. <laughs> can, can we use code names? <laughs> like, like if, you're in the, if you're in the territory of a motorcycle club and you don't basically just pay that courtesy respect, then you, you, you can get stopped. What courtesy respect? <laughs> of just Removing like, your. Well, Crest? we have to take the rocker. It couldn't say anything on the on the. It couldn't bottom. say anything. The rocker can't have. What your, is a rocker? Your, I'm sorry. I'm working at a. Sure, it's the patch, and then it says like New York under under the bottom. That's called the rocker. rocker the patch. arc. The up the upside yeah. down arc. Right. And what did you? And so that is owned by the Hell's Angels. No, no, no it's all, that's a that's a motorcycle club thing. You got to earn that. You got to like. You got to yeah. probably kill somebody to get that rock um, well but back in the day i don't know if they still got to kill people <laughs> these right. fucking ads they haven't changed a lot yeah yeah you yeah. got off easy when they just know. yelled at you about you know spoiling the uh, the vinyl it's true who knew i could get my fucking throat slashed for less <laughs> well they there was a story it was it happened in staten island actually somebody had a sons of anarchy cut on you know and somebody made them take that off so you don't know like how yeah so somebody like in, in some fictional world or some hype, uh, hyperbolic world or a hypothetical world you could be wearing a four-color demons patch. No. no. If you put New York, the thing is, if you put the name of a town underneath it, then you're claiming territory. And if you're on someone's you territory, you done that? No, that's what he, I asked him about. I asked him to look at it. He was like, take the rock, take that off. And so there was fine. a rocker, and what did the rocker say? It was just going to be whatever town you were in. So, but, so you hadn't designed it yet? No, because it was just going to be in the, you know, you know, meaning, uh, London, Staten Island, just So whatever. meaning like you would, would everyone get their own town? Sure, yeah. You would make whatever town you lived in if, you could just get it made up and that was that was going to be your town 
but we but that would we, get someone killed if yeah because they they're claiming territory yeah they would could at you least imagine getting killed for a fictional fucking biker gang <laughs> predicated on comic books could you imagine the <laughs> jump in our numbers <laughs> <laughs> one sacrificial lamb. <laughs> There's only one way to stay safe. <laughs> You're joining. But wait, that was for yeah. the four color demons. Yeah, that was four color demons. That so, the, and that and people signed up. And what did they? They didn't buy something. They just no. We because we we just got wanted a free car. to be uh, a communal like thing. We weren't looking. You know, we made the patches, so we were looking to make money. But um, but it's grown up to a place. I mean, it's a lot like your fans, uh, but to a much lesser degree. Like they'll they'll have rallies but they'll meet at bars and drink and stuff like that and it's that thing where people are like we wouldn't know each other if it wasn't for this and we become friends and this oh, is yeah. that we got married that, that, that's a sentiment i'm very familiar with yeah. the idea of like people i met a bunch of people today who say the same thing i've been hearing that shit for decades i am in, inured to it not in a way where i'm like i could care less about your personal story it still touches <laughs> me but i've heard it so much in my life yeah. that i before the words come out i could be like here it comes and what is it like for you guys was it like for you was it like to see somebody fucking quiver and cry or fucking like be like oh i don't i hate that I oh i'm, I'm certainly not like it. don't you love it isn't it great <laughs> no, no. <laughs> don't you like when they cower I like when they come up to me and they don't act that way and there's no like there's no kind of like weird awkwardness and except on my part like but like but if i feel like i can feel that awkwardness yeah it's really just like it's, it gives me anxiety but what if they all right what if they don't have like convulsions or something like that but and they, they're just cool but they but they hit you with they go deep hard where they're like you know no fucking lubricant anal they're just like i almost <laughs> tried to kill myself and your voice is the voice that stopped me do you get that uh i've gotten that i've gotten i've gotten more emails like that and i've actually you know Delete. Connect. Them. No, no. <laughs> oh wait, did, did they shoot something for me years ago? <laughs> but I've gotten emails, and I've kept up correspondence with with a couple people um, who you know have who have said who broke into your iron heart. Who yeah, who who were who you know sent the email, and I responded, and then you know they'll come back a couple months later and and say things are better now, and they'll mention something you know, like on the pod that can start a branch off to a. a conversation that's not so heavy right you know as like something like they're dealing with such uh problems and so there's quite a few people though that i've that i've kept up with i never even met them i don't know what they look like but you know that's that's pretty neat one day they're like writing you like i feel brave enough to come into the store and it's fucking drake somebody like super fucking famous i picked the wrong name it's, uh, my bad uh, it's tom brady um the uh what about you what about me? Like when I hear that kind of stuff? Yes. Have you had the moments where oh, somebody's yeah. like been like, you saved my life and here's why? Definitely more in person than on email like Walt because I go to conventions or did go to conventions. You've seen people in the real world and shit. And people, yeah. The, the two most and also common... to be fair, for the record, for those that don't follow that closely, when it comes to live performance, Brian has Walter beat by a country mile because Walter hates live performance. Yet Brian will still go out and do live performance outside of Tez D with things like Space Monkeys with Q, right. uh, the E show you do with E on on a series oh, or whatever. Uh, yeah, you know. Compound. Yeah. So you you interact with the public in a different way with the public that is coming specifically to see you, whereas Walter for years because mm -hmm. the store has interacted with the public, some of whom are coming to see him, but not all um but the people who come to see you in a public 
setting. They're like, oh, I'm there because he said something funny. This guy particularly, or that guy said something funny and I'm there for and stuff. So that means it's a long way of saying you encounter more people who would like tell you that in person right. versus like the emails that he gets and stuff. Yeah, I get, I get that. He's like the man in the high castle. They're like, how do we reach him? <laughs> like, just send him an email. <laughs> well, Walt always says, and, and I, I tend to agree that people are like, hey, man, I was going to take my life, but it was not for you guys. Uh, you know, that would have happened. And Walt's like, you know, they would have found something. They may have found something. Else. I disagree. And that's probably my like wishful thinking and hubris because I've heard it so many times. That I'm like, I did save that person's life. I'm good. Like mom said I was. <laughs> but I, I, I do feel that's, that's true. Like, you know, I mean, think about it there. I've never been the, the very suicidal person in my life, but anytime I've ever been fucking like deeply blue or something like that, whatever's pulled me out of it has become something to me. That's like, well, that I mean, look, I went through a midlife crisis. That's why I like fucking clung to Gretzky well, out of nowhere. I didn't that's fucking. Why? Yes. That was when I had a midlife crisis. I was like, oh, my God, it came right after fucking Zach and Mary make a porno and cop out. So it was back to back fucking hits where I was like, and that was the moment where I was like, oh, I'm A, no longer the golden boy, B, no longer a boy, C, no longer fucking golden, and a lot of people <laughs> think I'm a fucking joke and shit. So there was a tough transition period there where I was like, do I, I can't be that guy anymore because I'm not the new kid because now I'm fucking established and they've seen all my tricks and now they don't fucking like my tricks. Like used to be, I was like, hey man, fucking mall rats. And you know, the critics be like, fuck you, but eventually the audience came around. Jane Silent Bob Strike Back is not an insanely well thought out movie. In fact, having just read the first draft of it recently, you know, it's a miracle that that fucking movie got made at all. <laughs> but generally speaking, like, yeah, by the time I got to Zack and Miri and Cop Out, those were the two. Zack and Miri probably even more so than Cop Out. Bruce Willis just destroyed my spirit on Cop Out. And that was a different kind of midlife crisis. One where I was like, do I even want to work in this business anymore? Like, he's the top of the mountain. And if this is what the top of the mountain is, like, I'd rather jump off the mountain. I'd rather fucking work with Jason Mewes. That's fun. This guy's a fucking, you know, soulless fucking animal. <laughs> Sorry. That's probably maybe, maybe a little too intense to say. But he just really dishonored the fucking. He's the first person I ever worked with that didn't want to be there. And I'm like. Even that far back, huh? crazy yeah crazy and still and you know it's years later and i'm certainly over it. i'm not like i hate him still like i reached out to him for jay and silent bob reboot he passed of course but still <laughs> i was like hey come play and shit and he was like fuck you but um that one broke my like f interest in the business like i after i kind of walked away after that like we, we made red state and i was like i'm fucking i'm not i ain't doing this anymore and that was lingering effects of bruce so that was part part of the midlife crisis but zach and mary make a porno was like that was the one that was supposed to be huge like oh this movie's gonna make a hundred million dollars and that's gonna change everything and it wouldn't have changed anything i would have kept making the same fucking movies i chose and stuff but that one falling apart and fucking i made 30 million it made kevin smith money and it was just like that's it like after all that work we had the guy from knocked up that fucking cracked me and shit so there have definitely been times and gretzky came into that well, yeah, why Oddly do you think, enough, into yeah, that like, void. Do people usually buy a sports car. Yeah. To what? pay or something. Yeah. <laughs> to pay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've got the hat, so I don't need no, the no, toupee. I don't mean, that's the trope. I agree completely. Yeah, and I was just saying, like, anybody needs <laughs> you, you looked at him and me, and you <laughs> came up with both of those. Because <laughs> no, he, he, said, he said it back to me. He parroted it. That's why I looked at him. But, like, yeah, why? Because, I mean, I don't think I'm going through a midlife crisis. 
I think I love Tom Brady more than you love Gretzky. Probably. Why? So, well, here's the question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Trust Why? me. Why? Well, here's the thing. Is there anything you could find out about Tom Brady that would change the way would, you feel about him? Well, I mean, there's been some there's been some some nasty news that have come out. You know, he went for a PPP loan, and, and he, but that's not enough to make a f- true fan like yourself be like, "You got tipsy after the Super Bowl." <laughs> <laughs> that might be that. That might Walt's got a bias against that, so that I could see that being the line that he. But crossed. you know, that's kind of nasty, though. That like, why the would PPP a guy? Thing? Why would a guy need to apply for? I mean, a loan believe me, I ain't defending him, but like, you know. What are the chances he was the guy filling out the paperwork? I was going to say, it was probably somebody on his behalf. It was probably his caro or CEO. Oh, no, no, I filled out the paperwork for mine. (laughs) You're like, I want that. It was free money. I need that yacht money. That was me. (laughs) I want to go sailing. Don't you understand? No COVID at sea. But But like I said, though, like the common things that people having a midlife crisis mm. would not be a retired athlete because although reti- <laughs> yes. you know, it yes, doesn't, you're it doesn't absolutely make right. any sense this is i think because i've done a lot of analysis personal now not not like sitting down with a therapist but I'm not, a lot of like why did i go so hard on somebody that like isn't even in my line of work like it's not like like all of a sudden i was like scorsese don't you get it he's a fucking god of a filmmaker it was i don't even play hockey and still like i was drawn to that story and i think and this is going to sound weird, and I don't want it to sound arrogant, but it's because of the similarities to my own life. I'm not the greatest at anything. I'm not, I've never hoisted fucking that many Stanley Cups. But you're talking about a dude who came from nowhere, whose parents were very fucking sweet to him and, and kind of encouraging, um, and very encouraging in his case, um, who went on a, a, the ride of a fucking lifetime, but he went way earlier. So it started for him when he was like literally 10 years old. You can listen to that dude doing interviews as a 10 year old kid. And he's already got like an angle, like he's prepossessed. He knows how to handle himself in front of a fucking microphone. So because he was retired, when I got into him, I could look at the entire career. There's no like, because the numbers meant nothing to me. Like, you know, I, you know me as much as I like hockey. It's stats, not like I go all mean? the time. The stats, what, what capt- captured my imagination. And I think what, has always eluded me as regards sports like why i've never had a real interest in sports but why i do gravitate toward hockey at all other than like fucking you introduced me to it is there's always a story in hockey and it's always a better story than most of the other stories like the in order to sell the game which is a concept that you know it's a cogent concept that they actually speak about in and in, in nhl in hockey in general sell the game sell the game because it's not like baseball it's not like basketball it's not football it doesn't pre-sell itself their audiences for hockey are much smaller so there's a bit of salesmanship involved as well so not only are you like i do a thing but i've got to tell you how it's the best thing in the world you could watch like oh my god have you ever seen people skate it's such a fast game and stuff like that that appeals or or matches up with with me and as much as like i make a thing and i'm also responsible for fucking selling the thing and gretzky did that his entire career other than be like fantastic at what he does and stuff he sold the game so like the way of life of the thing that he leaned into was equally as important to him not just like fucking stardom the other thing that i really identified with him about was if you read Gretzky stories in childhood and adulthood, uh, Edmonton stories, King stories, whatever the fuck. Mark Messier put it best. I think he said, all you had to do was show up and do your job and magical things would fucking happen. So Gretzky was the kind of guy that could easily make the shot himself. But instead, he would just 
shoot it to you so you could make the fucking shot. And I think that's what I dialed in on the most. This was a guy who was, and again, I'm not saying I'm the greatest just like him, but this was a guy who was exceptional at doing a thing. And rather than show off time and time again, which one could argue he did because he holds the fucking like highest record, not only in the NHL, but across all sports, his stats can't be touched by any other fucking athlete, even, not Tom, even Brady. Tom Brady. Not even Tom Brady. Uh, we might have in your heart, there. perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> but he doesn't have seven rings. That's true. <laughs> that's true. Um, but the fact that he would pass mm. and let teammates score is something that like, you know, I was like, that's, that's me. There's a scene in a, in a, um, God, what is it called? It's an old Miramax movie and Christian Bale's in it and it's glam something. Um, fuck, I forget the name of it, but it's about the rise of glam music and shit like that. It was, I forgot the name escapes me. But the, Christian Bale plays a guy. And at one point there's a scene where he's watching like David Bowie as Ziggy Stardust or a David Bowie Ziggy Stardust like character on TV and he's with his parents and he's watching it with like silent awe and then they cut to his internal reaction like what he really wants to fucking say and he turns around to his parents and he's like that's me that is me like he identifies with this fucking person that's what I felt like about Gretzky it wasn't the excellence or being exceptional at something or incredibly gifted it was the other things, the adjuncts, the bill, the guy who was humble enough to keep selling the fucking game, even though he really didn't have to. The guy who was like, where's your stick? Just put it down. Bam. And fucking hit it off your stick. So you got the fucking point. He gets the fucking assist. Mm -hmm. That shit really appealed to me. And the fact that you can step back and look at his entire life work because it was done because he retired and it had a neat bow on it. The only problem was he retired with fucking the Rangers, but whatever. But like you can look at the entire thing like a story as opposed to like, you know, oh, I watched this game. Like, you know, I, how many Gretzky games I've ever watched in my life? Not many because I didn't see them ever live. And I it wasn't a big enough fan to go back and actually watch gameplay. I watched a lot of highlights mm -hmm. stuff and whatnot. So but yours is different. Yeah, mine's because he's active. And well, mine, I started out as I was trolling the listeners of our podcast. Were you really? Yeah, because he, because everybody hates him. So I was like, initially, I was just Wait, like, people don't like this guy. I thought he's like the most beloved fucking quarterback of all time or whatever. Oh, no, people can't stand him because he is the most because, because he wins the lot. greatest of all time. So and, for the, the same way, way people hated Gretzky because he's great, but not because he's an asshole. I don't know if anybody's ever hated Gretzky. Like, I mean, he seems like that aw shucks kind of like, you know, like country kid who, you know represented his country, won the gold medals for them, yada, yada. But there are people who just despise Tom Brady because he's fucking a model. He's got model looks. He's got a model wife. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Initially, I was just being a troll. I was just being like, oh, I love Tom Brady. I love Tom Brady. And then as I started to watch and watch, I was just like, he won me over. I was just like, holy shit. You know, you, you there's but what do you nothing mean, this watch? guy can Like you do. were watching football? Yeah, just like watching it. But you'd and just seen him, him for just, years, but suddenly through this filter, you're like, yeah, because like his, his second act is more impressive than his first act. What is that? he had a, a good beginning to his good career, beginning, but then and then kind of like, yeah, then he kind of like he went through a stretch where he didn't, he wasn't winning Super Bowls, and then he goes through the second act where everybody is like ready to like write him off and like say he wasn't, he was all you know, it was all somebody else's doing. It wasn't his doing that for the reasons that you know that that team won. And he was just like, you know, he just turns to the cameras like, you know, fuck you. 
and uh, <laughs> you know, suck my dick because I'm going to go. I'm going to go to a different team and I'm going to bring them to a, a Super Bowl championship, a team that was like the the lowest winning percentage in any professional sport. And that was the recent, that was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa Bay Buccaneers goes there, doesn't have a training camp. Tells the tells the organization, let me pick the players, and I'll win a Super Bowl, and then does it. Take like a Babe Ruth pointing to oh, fucking yeah. the field and just hitting it there. But even, even more even impressive, the babes just got to be like you know, just got to go sit down because there, there's <laughs> Babe there, Ruth got to yeah, go take a seat. Yeah, yeah. There, there is no other athlete that can can make the claims of what this guy has done. Right. I mean, he's climbed climbed Mount Everest, and if he can get into, if he could climb to the moon, he would. I mean, I, I mean, the guy should run for president after after he's done playing football. Such great conversation. We're going to put a pin in it right here. Uh, and if you want to continue listening and or watching, if you want to continue listening, you jump over to the Patreon, the Tesd Patreon. What's the address? Uh, Patreon.com slash tell him Steve Dave. And you can listen to the rest of it or, or the, the next part of it. Or you can go watch. If you're watching this on my YouTube channel, you can watch the next hour of this at the Patreon, which again is patreon.com slash tell him Steve Dave. And then the third, well, well, we'll get to that later on. In any event, <laughs> this is, uh, we're breaking right now, man. Uh, and then you're going to head over to tell him Steve Dave. So that's Smodcast for this week, but this conversation is to be continued over on tell him Steve Dave. That's Smodcast uh, for this week. I'm Kevin Smith. Brian Johnson. Brian Quinn. Walt Flanagan. Have a week. This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio. Sir, only at Smodcast.com.